visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney. We're back, and a pleasure to say we're back with Sam Fattis. Charles Sam Fattis, of course, is a regular on this program, and I couldn't be more proud of that fact. He is a member of the Committee on the Present Danger China, which gives us an opportunity to collaborate on a lot of things, including a webinar today that we'll be talking about in a moment. Sam has an amazing background, um, former army officer, former career clandestine services officer for the Central Intelligence Agency. That means a spy. He's gone on to a number of other impressive feats. He has been a candidate for Congress. He is an acclaimed author, including of Beyond Repair, The Decline and Fall of the Central Intelligence Agency. He is also the driving force behind a simply superb online resource. It's called And Magazine. I encourage you to bookmark it, andmagazine.com. Sam Fattis will be a featured speaker in a program that as we air tonight is in the past, as we speak this morning, it is in the future. A webinar conducted by the Stop Vaccine Passports Task Force, um, an effort by the Committee on the Present Danger China and Women's Rights Without Frontiers to expose really important issues about the vaccines, the mandates, and most especially what is in prospect if we allow the government to gather and weaponize our personal information, starting with our health data, but uh, it won't end there, alas. We'll be talking about specifically the catastrophe that Joe Biden's vaccine mandates are now constituting for the national security. And that is topic A with Sam Fattis. Welcome back, sir. It's so good to have you with us as always. Great to be here, Frank. Thank you very much. So, Sam, as a former military officer, as a longtime government employee, what do you make of the mandates that Joe Biden is imposing and their implications for the national security in particular? You know, I think it's just another arena where where his policies are disastrous, right? I mean, first of all, first of all, there's just the sort of numbers thing, the percentages of, of the military that we're talking about, which is hard to get a handle on. But we were talking, I mean, we are talking apparently about Somewhere between six and seven, uh, six hundred and seven hundred Navy SEALs who have not been vaccinated, just to kind of bring this down to a, a vignette, if you will. I mean, without going into exact numbers of SEALs on SEAL teams, I mean, if if we're if we're really talking about saying that we can't deploy six or seven hundred, six hundred or seven hundred Navy SEALs, then effectively we don't have any SEAL teams anymore. I mean, that's that's what that means. That means name any mission you want to deploy these guys on. You don't have anybody left, certainly no unit that is that is actually capable and can be deployed. We've just wiped that entire capability off the map. I mean, it, the other thing that I think is going on here that's a little, uh, well, a little more emotional or ideological is that we, you know, we have a, a massive problem in the military already with this sort of breach of faith as far as the rank and file are concerned by their senior leadership, loss of confidence in them, you know, between Afghanistan and wokeism and everything else. And now you've got a bunch of bureaucrats, basically, whether they're in uniform or not, ordering these guys to, and gals to to be injected. I mean, that's that's just yet another 
reason for for the folks who are actually supposed to do the fighting to feel completely disillusioned and and really feel like okay look why am i why am i even doing this who am i doing it for and these are people let us recall who have volunteered to put their lives on the line for our country they don't have to be doing this and it is most days a thankless enough task without having all of this other collateral demoralizing crap heaped upon them as well. We'll be talking more about the implications of this with Elaine Donnelly in a moment uh, in terms of the culture of the military. But Sam, just as you say, in terms of its practical impact, if these people, pilots, uh, Marines, Navy SEALs, others with extraordinary specialization, skills, training, equipment are not going to be ready to serve, available to do their duty if called upon. This is a huge problem, especially at a moment which, as you've been documenting magnificently at End Magazine, we may be at the cusp of a war with communist China. I mean, not just the ongoing Cold War, some call it unrestricted warfare, but a kinetic war. Talk a little bit about, you know, whether this is actually likely to translate into increasing the prospects of such a war. So, well, it, with, without question, I mean, everything, of course, that the Biden administration has done since they came in, um, in my view, has increased the likelihood of a confrontation with the communist Chinese because, good God, you're looking at an opportunity. When we, when will you ever get an opportunity like this again? The most We can talk about whether this is just grotesque incompetence or deliberate malfeasance. I'm sort of of a mind that it's the latter. But in any case, you're looking at an opportunity to run the table of the United States of America and change the entire balance of power to your advantage, what already is changing to, uh, to your advantage, but to really seize this opportunity and do things that you've wanted to do for decades, like seized Taiwan, like literally follow through on the rhetoric that has not changed, uh, you know, since since uh, the nationalists went to Taiwan. It, well, I mean, if anything, this, it's intensified. Uh, ab- absolutely. And, and, and look, you know, to, to hone in on this practical impact, I mean, as you well know, um, it's not just it, – it's bad enough that you're talking about demoralization. It's bad enough that you're talking about numbers of people you may not be able to deploy. But also military units don't act as individuals. I mean if you got 11 guys in a squad and you just announced that five of them can't be deployed, okay, and you reassign five guys to that squad, that, that does not make that squad combat effective. That makes five guys that, – that puts five people that nobody's ever worked with in the middle of this unit. They're now working with a different unit. I mean you, you can't just swap out pilots and fighter squadrons and, and really when you're all done say it's the equivalent. It's nowhere close to the equivalent. You're, you, you're, you're still combat ineffective even if you brought the numbers up somehow magically. It, it, it's another thing that is a real threat, a, a strategic threat to American national security. Sam, let me just pivot from the specific issue of the military, the armed forces, to other parts of our society and our economy that are also being impacted by Joe Biden's mandates uh, or those that are now being adopted by governments at lower levels or businesses for that matter. Um, We're watching police, firefighters, airline pilots, 
healthcare workers, and those involved in various aspects of our supply chains, um, to varying degrees, finding that they cannot serve either in this environment. Talk a little bit about what this means for, well, our economy, for one thing, but more to the point, our society and the kinds of conditions that we're likely to find ourselves in here in the days to come. Uh, again, I'm I'm of the view that this is a wrecking operation, that it's not an accident, and it is calculated to be extremely damaging. But give us your professional take on it, including, by the way, intelligence professionals too, if you would. Yeah. Well, again, the, the scope of the scope of this, as you've laid out, I mean, cut, this cuts across every sector of the society, and if we're even if we're just sort of focusing on security-related things, it's it's devastating, right? In Chicago. We now have a standoff between the police and the mayor because the mayor's the mandates that have come down now mean that um, something like 50 percent of the police force in Chicago faces termination. They're seriously, if they, if they follow through on the existing mandates, which they to date haven't backed off on, you're going to fire 50 percent of the cops on the street in a city. Which so if you wanted to defund the police, control. or at least achieve the purpose of defunding the police, this certainly would be one way of accomplishing it, would it not? I, I mean, this is this is effectively eliminating the police. In Seattle, uh, they're talking forty percent, close to close to half of the police force. So Seattle already has lost hundreds and hundreds of officers as a result of the war on police, defunding police. The whole Black Lives Matter business, just the hostility toward law enforcement. They're literally lost since the, the whole thing with the CHAZ, you know, the autonomous zone. They've lost something like 300 officers that have either re retired or they just took a job someplace where somebody would actually support them. So they're already critically understaffed. Now you're going to take, say, 40% of that police force and you're going to get rid of them. They have gone in Seattle already to what they call, I think it's called phase three mobilization, which means that everybody who is a sworn officer, who whoever was trained as law enforcement, is available to answer 911 calls. So that means the desk sergeant, the guy from the evidence locker, the people riding desks at any point in the in the force are now being dragooned into answering 911 calls. And when you read the language of of what that means, like when you trigger a phase three mobilization, it explicitly says that we are facing a crisis that available public safety um, capabilities cannot handle. It, it is explicitly reserved for you know a, a complete meltdown, a crisis. I don't know, maybe there was a massive earthquake, something like this, and the city's at completely out of control. They've already gone to that level of mobilization. This is in a major city, which, of course, is already facing all, all sorts of crime issues. I mean, you're talking here, and we could go on with any number of other major cities, literally just sort of going over the edge into anarchy. If you, if you lose half the cops in Chicago, you better either barricade yourself in your house or you better get out of Chicago because – there's a nightmare coming. And Sam, as you say, it's not just that criminals will take advantage of this situation. You and I have been talking about for well over a year, the phenomenon of Antifa 
and Black Lives Matter and others uh, involved in what I think is rightly described as a color revolution. They've been focused intensively, of course, as we know, on this idea that we ought to defund the police. What are the chances that enemy within will try to take advantage of this anarchic situation and the lack of public safety officers to contend with it? Uh, guaranteed. I mean, and, and just everybody listening, just think for a second of all of the images of what we watched month after month after month in major American cities when these forces like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and other groups were being confronted by fully staffed, fully manned police forces. Now imagine that that same level of violence is there and there's nobody to respond. I mean, in Minneapolis, they lost an entire precinct. They, the, the police officers had to literally run from the back of the building as the place was set fire to and the mob stormed in. Well, when half the cops in your city are gone, that's going to be every precinct. And and who's coming? By the way, when the when the sun comes up in the morning, who's coming to restore order? Absolutely nobody is coming to restore order. There won't be any end to that. Well, especially if the people that you might summon uh, are national guardsmen, or they're perhaps even active duty forces that uh, have to be mobilized for the purpose. God forbid. And they're already afflicted with this same problem that we started out talking about. I mean, this this is truly absolutely a wrecking operation. And I find it hard to countenance the idea that it is not intentional. I have to tell you, I don't believe you can attribute this and everything else. And we won't have time to get into much of the rest of it. The border, the energy security situation, the uh, other effects of, of COVID on our society, uh, the failure to contend with foreign threats uh, emerging now uh, all around us. We were talking in the earlier segment about this new hypersonic missile China is developing for sneak attacks. I mean, these are the sorts of things that um, are going to sap the morale and the confidence of the American people in their government as well as, you know, uh, the servicemen and women in their senior leadership and, um, and the police in their, you know, uh, top uh, management authorities. Leslie, let me just ask you this, Sam. If you were determined to fundamentally transform our country, yes, but specifically these institutions that are critical to its, you know, safety and its economy and its viability, really. One of the other things that you might see advantageous about driving out people who are patriots, people who are skilled warriors, people who are competent police officers, is that you can replace them with people who will do your bidding, perhaps even enforcing illegal or unconstitutional orders. Should we be concerned about that as an upshot of all of this as well? Yeah, well, I think this is this is kind of the cutting edge of this, this whole thing, Frank. I mean, you know, as you look across the country and you see all of these crazy things that are happening, and I don't, I agree with you that I think we're dealing with malfeasance. I don't think we're dealing with incompetence. But you you wonder increasingly where where are the people who are to stand up for the Constitution? 
where's the law enforcement person, the government person in DOJ, the government lawyer who just simply says, no, the answer is no, I won't do that. I won't, I won't enforce that order. I won't write that document. This is, this is illegal. It's unconstitutional. It's destructive to the Republic and it won't be part of it. And to the extent there are those people we're now facing um, exactly what you just you laid out. They're sort of being boiled out of the system, right? They're they're resigning, they're quitting, they're going away. Okay, they're standing their ground in a sense, but we're also losing them. And who's left are the folks who either are one who advance this agenda, or at a minimum, just won't stand up against it. They will, you know, they'll acquiesce, and that's. That's ominous as well. Also, by the way, folks, on Thursday, Sam Faddis is going to be a contributor to another webinar brought to you by the Committee on the Present Danger China about, well, it's an emergency summit on Taiwan, also required viewing. That will be from 10 to noon on Thursday, Eastern Time. Stay tuned for that as well. And for Elaine Donnelly, who joins us next to talk about the impact on the culture of the military. 